Hello, 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 everyone. Please type in yes if you can hear me. Make sure my audio is working. My name is Andrew Krause. I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight. Stephen Keys, our other co-founder. And together, along with our coaches, we've been coaching and mentoring inventors for the last 23 years in um, over 60 countries. So we've been doing this a really, really long time. Um, if somebody could type in yes, that you can hear me. So we've had some problems in the past. If uh, if not, let me, I know what the problem was last time. I'm going to turn off my Bluetooth on my phone. Okay, great. I'm glad it's working, but I know how to prevent a problem from happening later. There we go. We'll turn Bluetooth off on my phone. This headset's way too fancy. Great. Everybody can hear me. All right. So today's theme, we're going to answer your questions, but we're going to cover it uh, in a way, have an idea, what do you do next? So we're going to answer your questions. I'm going to answer your questions. There's no we, it's just me here today. Um, I'm going to answer your questions, but always kind of like, okay, what do you do next kind of attitude, which kind of is naturally way of answering a question, but I'm um, going to try to expand on it a little bit. So let's jump in here. Um, I'll remind everybody to subscribe down below. Um, if you're not already subscribed, subscribe to our channel. Um, also, give me a thumbs up if you like what I'm saying. And uh, make sure to, to after our this live stream is done, if you want to come on back and interact and ask some questions or make some comments, that's great. The YouTube algorithm, as they say, really loves that. So uh, let's jump right in. Um, so the first question is from Mike Yee. What is a term sheet. Okay, so we talk about this in our books and we talk about this to our students. A term sheet is is kind of an, it's not a contract, it's before a contract. So it's saying, okay, for example, I'll give you an example, could be anything on there, but it's kind of like a memorandum of understanding and some people call it an MOU. Um, and, and it's not even that, it's just like a starting point. Here's what I'm looking for. It might go back and forth a little bit. So it might be a certain royalty rate, there might be minimum guarantees on there that pay you a certain amount every quarter. I don't really recommend putting that on there unless it's been discussed prior. Um, so you're kind of like setting the stage and it's literally just could be an email. You could put it into a PDF or a Word doc and attach an email, or it could be the email itself. It's just a few bullet points. Usually a term sheet is not like a contract. There's not 50 bullet points on it, but it's a place to get started for a negotiation. Um, it's not something you want to send early on. It's something after you, after you gathered information. So that goes, you have an idea, what do you do next? The, the, the very next thing you do when you have interest is not send a term sheet. Oh, they showed a little interest. I haven't even talked to him yet. Well, I want 5% and I want minimum guarantees and I want this or that. And I don't want you to be able to change the color, whatever the thing, things you're negotiating are. Do you throw that term sheet up? before you've had conversations, before you've qualified them and what they plan on doing with it? Hell no, no, you don't do that. So it's a way of going back and forth in a written way. Um, it's And a lot of our students don't use term sheets. We figure out where it's appropriate. Our negotiation coach will guide the student to go, you know, now it'd be time for a term sheet. So it might be a Word doc, might be a PDF, might just be an email, like a few bullet points. This is what I'm looking for. Sometimes companies aren't clear. They're like, you want to partner with us? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, no, I want to license it to you. And you would, there would be, and you might not have a percentage because you haven't interviewed them up. There would be a, a royalty rate that you would pay me every quarter. 
and it would be for um, the sporting good industry, but I have a version for this other industry. So you would get the exclusive on the sporting good industry. So there's like, there's some basic terms, but when to send that, a lot of our students never send it. They're just, the term sheet are verbal discussions or emails, and there is no term sheet. So don't always assume there's a term sheet. Hopefully that was helpful, Mike. Uh, Waleed said, uh, hi, Andrew, I did a marketing, a marketing search for my idea and it does not exist. And there is also there is no issued patents for it, but there are some published applications which are not identical to my idea, but may take the examiner, may make the examiner consider my idea obvious and reject the application. Can I pitch my ideas to companies with this situation? Yes, our students do deals all the time. So first of all, there's nothing that's gonna keep you from filing a provisional patent and legally saying patent pending, because when you file a provisional, you can say that. So um, there's, and a lot of our students, they'll file a provisional. The company's like, yeah, we don't, we don't care about patents. You can file one if you want. We'll pay you royalties regardless. But we're like, you can do that? Yes, you can do that. So if you believe there may be a reason that you don't get a strong patent, you can always get a patent. You can always get a patent, guys. If you make the claim so limited, you can always get a patent. Um, but if you believe there's an issue with you getting a strong patent due to obviousness reasons or something else, you can still license the product you know, in the vast majority of industries. Now, Waleed, if you said, um, I have a serious doubt that I could ever get a patent on this, and it's in the medical device industry, those guys will beat you up about intellectual property and patents quite a bit. Um, I would say, oh, okay, you need to think on if you can get some strong, pr better protection here, maybe by redesigning the product. But if it's like a kitchen gadget or a sporting good product or or kitchen gadget, or, or like industries where they're just not obsessed with patents, which is most industries, um, you can get by with a weak patent quite often, or none at all, okay? So so um, that's the answer to, to my question. So today's, our theme is, you have an idea, now what do you do? So while he's in this situation where he's like, well, I believe there's a market for the product, that's the core thing, Wally, that there's a market for this product. Um, but I'm a little concerned that I'm going to be able to get a patent. Now, again, I said something that probably tripped a lot of you guys out. You can always get a patent. Like if you make a claim, this isn't the type of thing you'd write a claim on. But if you say, well, it's a it's a pink pencil with purple polka dots, exactly 2.5 millimeters in diameter. Now, that's not the a patent type of claim. That's just being silly here. You're so specific. The patent examiner will go, you can have that. So my point is you can always have a claim. We've had some students that they did a deal with, they were trying to do a deal with the company. The company says, well, if you don't get a patent, and this isn't common, by the way, it's actually very uncommon, but I've seen it. We've seen all sorts of things in 23 years. Um, they say, you know, if you don't get a patent, we don't want to have to pay you. And our, our response, our negotiation coach, Steve and myself were like, no problem. We can always get a patent. If you throw some weak claims. And it's funny, like literally that's how they would write it. And, and the students like freaking out, what if I don't get a patent? I'm like, you're guaranteed to get a patent if you just put a few weak claims in there. Now you're gonna put claims in there that are strong claims. You know, you're gonna try to get a good solid patent, but if the potential licensee is putting the screws to you in the contract that says they don't have to pay if you don't get a patent, you're gonna need to tell your attorney to throw some weak claims in there. And if you file the provisional, they're gonna file full utility, throw some weak claims. So these are, are, are tricks. I hate to use the word tricks because it's strategies on dealing with companies that get a little weird on you at times, you know? And we are smarter than them. Let's just be honest. We are smarter than them. 
There is no company that can outsmart us. There just isn't. Um, there's companies that will dig their heels in and won't do a deal. And we recognize what they're doing, but nobody can outsmart us, in my opinion. They haven't yet. Um, so, but the main thing, Waleed, on what to do next is basically if if your product isn't in a brutal industry where patents are everything and you're a little concerned you're going to get a strong patent because of other some prior other prior other prior patents that you've seen and it's not in like medical devices or some really really difficult industry which most industries are not i wouldn't worry about it you're saying you believe it has a marketable feature that if your product was sitting right alongside another product kind of in the same category i know you said there's nothing like it every inventor says that it's not true um, there's always something kind of like it. No, not exactly like it, of course, but you know, something that would compete with it. There always is. It might be a completely different kind of product, but people could choose that product instead of your product or what have you. But um, if you believe most people are a good percentage of people, not even most, will buy your product or the other product that they're both sitting on the shelf that kind of or somewhat or completely solves the same problem, that's the most important thing. Not is it patentable? Because companies license stuff from our students all the time, say they don't care about patents, they're not obsessed about patents, and they'll still do a licensing deal. And so, and so, and products, because they're selling you patents. So they're telling you the patent's the most important thing, which it's not. Um, Jeremy says, can you speak about as seen on TV products in stores? Do they all come from one company? No, as seen on TV is not a company. It's actually a term that some companies that would do these infomercials, DRTV spots, there's lots of names for it, um, as seen on TV commercials, whatever the hell you want to call them. Um, back in the day, they were called infomercials. And they started calling that as seen on TV. You know, um, They were calling it infomercials. They kind of rebranded it. But there is no one company that can do that. Nobody claimed that trademark um, or that mark or that term. And it, if, it product, if that's been used in as general, it's a general statement. It's been used for a lot of a long time and nobody claimed it. Anybody can use that. So there is no as seen on TV company. It's more of a way of defining companies that will do infomercials, DRTV spots, 30 minutes, two minutes spots. On these days, it could be on social media, it could be on TV, it could be on streaming media. And then quite often they sell products from their website. But for most of these historically, they're, they're selling products in big box stores. Like you didn't want to buy it off the 800 number. Maybe you didn't want to buy it offline. All that's happening a lot more often these days. But you're like, oh, I saw that. I realized what that thing was. It's kind of cool, but you know, kind of went in one ear, went out the other. But now you're pushing your cart down the aisle at Walmart. You're like, oh, and they have an as seen on TV aisle. They're here, they're getting rid of that. Um, and they're saying, oh, that's that thing. Well, I'll throw it in my cart. And if I don't like it, next time I come back to Walmart, I'll just return it, you know? And and that's very different, like back in the day, eons ago, you know, you'd order these products of 800 numbers and they would kind of run these scams where they'd say, well, do you want two instead? And we'll give you free shipping and then they'll bill you for three. Like the DRTV business back in the day had a terrible reputation for that. And then they make you go through um, the ringer to try to return it if you didn't like it and the quality was terrible. I don't think that's really the case these days. They definitely make it good enough quality. There's some really good Asino TV products. I have the Total Gym. I bought it on Craigslist, but I have that Total Gym where you use your own weight to pull up. I think Chuck Norris used to sell that. That's a good product. It's very well designed. So they definitely, um, the Asino TV folks, um, they've definitely increased the quality enough where you don't want to return it. 
you know, in most cases. But if you're buying it from the big box store, you can just return it. So a lot of those problems of, of the past are not there. Um, but no, your question was, do they all come from one company? No. Um, and, you know, quite often, if you have an, everybody wants to, oh, I'll make more because I'll sell a lot real quick because they blow it out. And that's true historically. Like some of these companies would have contracts like with quarter million minimum guarantees. And they're like, well, we're not selling that much. We don't want it anyway. And that's not really the case anymore. These companies are willing to do products that aren't as big a hits. It's the market has changed dramatically. They're doing a, a good deal of their marketing online, maybe social media. Maybe they're doing some ads. I mean, who's watching broadcast TV anymore? They still have those ads, but it's usually pretty old people. Most of them are doing streaming media. Um, I kind of pay for to not to see ads on streaming media, you know, Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, everywhere. So, and but like I think my YouTube premium subscription lapsed recently and I haven't seen any DRTV spots, but I'm sure they're advertising there. Um, but quite often people don't understand what a DRTV product is. You know, it's got to have some real wow factor, you know, and sometimes with an infomercial product with the additional explanation of a video, people will get it. But that same product, if they just saw the box in the store, they'd be like, I don't know what that is. So you can sell things on DRTV that you can't sell normally. But a lot of our students that have, they want to sell on DRTV, I look at it and go, yeah, that that's a DRTV product. It has to be pretty mass market. Nothing that is super niche is going to be a DRTV or infomercial type or as seen on TV type product. There's too many terms there, isn't there? Um, but I look at it and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's mass market enough. I mean, they do have products. They would have pet products that are on the, the um the Animal Planet channel, because there's more people that have dogs and cats there, things like that. They do have things that are a little bit more niche, but they kind of want it to be pretty broad. But I look at it and go, yeah, that could be an As Seen on TV product. But I could see, again, I could see that just being in the store. Nobody knows what it is. They see the box, they get it right away, right? I could see that too. So our students quite often will have a list of standard consumer product companies that are in a Walmart or Target, Bed Bath & Beyond now is dead from what I hear. I haven't checked that. Um, or wherever else. And it could also be licensed to an As Seen on TV product. So, um, But there's really only five major As Seen on TV companies. The rest of them are kind of like feeder companies where they're going to test it out a little bit and try to sell it to the big guys because they don't really have the money to run those big streams. But that industry is changing by leaps and bounds. I've heard that Walmart might be getting rid of the entire, entire aisle completely because the perception of some of those products, although it's gotten a lot better over the years and many other reasons. Um, so uh, yeah, no, it, but it's not one company. It's many companies. Anybody can use the term as seen on TV. That was a really, really long answer for your question. Um, all right, uh, next one today. So today's topic is have an idea, what do you do next? You know. And so I might answer some of your questions, but I'd be like, okay, what is next? So for you, Jeremy, what is next? Have an idea. What is next? So you're, you're saying if you believe your product is an As Seen on TV product, go ahead. Look up the As Seen on TV companies. But more than likely, it can be sold to a standard consumer product company that has major distribution and major retailers. You should definitely take a look at that. And how do you know that it has that potential? Well, if the box is done properly and the marketing on the box is done properly and people wouldn't be going, what the hell is this? And you don't need a video to explain it. Well, then it could be sold in stores. 
But if a product really is confusing as hell and people wouldn't get it without the video, then it's not going to be good for um, to sell directly in stores unless it's a DRTV company doing it. So, okay, hopefully that helps a little bit. Uh, let me take a sip of water here. Green page down to see. We, okay. Wow, we got a lot of questions there. Oh, my goodness. Wow, okay. I'll try to speed it up here. Um, if you guys could, as a form of appreciation, if you're not subscribed down below, click the subscribe button, the notification button, and give give it a thumbs up. It's not like you click subscribe and we're coming to your house, you're charged any money or anything like that. So just if you appreciate me sitting here for a whole hour answering your questions for free, um, please help me out and help invent right out. Uh, Matt says, hi, Andrew. Good evening. I've been talking with this company for about a month. They first said three weeks. So we'll get back to me back with you. I will call them back and they say 10 days. We'll get back. I call them back and they, I don't know if, and they, how long should I wait before? Didn't you ask me that same question? I remember that question, Matt. Sounds very familiar. Um, companies are just busy. Here's the, the mistake inventors make on the, you have an idea. What do you do next? Because that's the theme today. You don't wait for them to get back to you. You know, it's really exciting that you made the effort and you got into a company and say they look at it. But now if you're just focusing on them, keep yourself busy by reaching out to more. It'll never happen on your timeline. Never, ever, ever will happen on your timeline. Sometimes, you know, people get anxiety about like, oh, I can't get into them. So they tell me yes or no. We'll take a look at what you have. And then when they do get in, they're like expecting a response within two days. You know, maybe you'll need to follow up with them three or four times. They're busy. They got a lot of stuff going on. And you follow up with them three times and you keep forwarding that email so they can see it. And they find, oh, I'm sorry. I've been really busy. Or they don't apologize at all. And they go, oh, this is actually really interesting. You know, be very persistent in following up with them, but not every two days, like every seven or 10 days. And you're going to be reaching out to more companies. You're not going to be sitting there festering on that one. that You're so excited because that one showed interest. You're going to be reaching out to more, okay? Because if you just like focus on that one that said, yes, we'll take a look at it, and you just keep on getting back to them, and that's all you're doing, that is a giant mistake, okay? That's not pro. Now, you should be proud of yourself. You got in. They looked at that one, but you should be reaching out to 20 or 30 more. Okay. And that's how you keep yourself busy. But it sounds like that's what um, Matt is doing. He said, um, they first said about three weeks and then 10 days. So you might not, you're probably not asking the right questions. You know, they're, they're saying, but they're saying they'll get back to you in a period of time. That's great. Sometimes they're not responsive at all. Now I'm going to, I'm going to get up. You guys are still going to hear me because I got to turn on the AC because it's getting hot in here. Because um, So you just got to keep Keep reaching out to more companies. Keep yourself busy. You can't just rely on um, that one company that showed interest. And I would say every seven to 10 days. But you can also ask, Do you, you can offer help. Do you need more information? Is there anything I can do? Um, who are we waiting to hear back from? You know, but you don't really want to grill them. Kind of let them do their own thing. And I think it's great when they keep delaying. I think that's great. I like to say things to shock people because they're communicating with you. Oh, it's going to be another three weeks, going to be another 10 days. You should be very, very happy about that because they're communicating with you. With a lot of other companies, you're following up, following up, crickets, 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 and then finally they get to you or they don't get to you at all. 
So it's not, let's rethink. So you have an idea. What do you do next? You're, you're, you're getting this, you're, you're, you're getting, you feel like the runaround. Oh, it's 10 days more, you know, give me another two weeks. Like that's a good thing. There is communication there. So just offer help and keep checking in is perfectly fine. The fact that you have the communication is a giant plus. If you don't have the communication at all, that's not necessarily a negative because they're just super busy. They went on vacation for two weeks. They got back. They were overwhelmed. It was another two weeks. It's been a freaking month since they got back to you. Normal, normal, normal. I just interviewed um, Chad, one of our students that just licensed a product. He licensed a, a fire starting product for camping and um, backpacking. And his coach, Keanu, is on there. And he was talking about that. You know, it's normal. And I asked him that question because he just licensed the product. And he said, oh, yeah, that's normal. But you guys don't know that that's normal. So and and Matt, and I'm not saying you're doing this at all, Matt, but most people do. You're focused on that one that showed interest. You're, you're proud of yourself, which you should be because you got into a company and you're communicating with them. But you need to reach out to more. That's your focus, not thinking about him all the time, you know. Um, so follow up every seven to 10 days. But then also sometimes you want to ask, like, what do you need to do? And should I give you some more time? You know, I'll follow up with you in another seven days, but I want to follow up with you if there's something you need to accomplish. Is there anything I can help with? Who are you reaching out to? What can I, is there anything I can do? You know, and I really appreciate that. Um, let's see, Corey said, with me being able to 3D print my idea, does that do anything for my idea? I got, I got me a 3D printer. Uh, to make my idea to save cost and prototype, I can even have a homemade version. You know, I, I think it's great, but it's also not. 3D 3D prints can look great. It depends on how competent you are, but they can look bad too. Sometimes you're better off cannibalizing an existing product. It will look much better and much more refined. You're gluing two products together. Sometimes you don't have a prototype at all. We do virtual prototypes for 85% of our members. And... Um, the virtual prototype puts a better foot forward. Sometimes these 3D prints, like you could never send that to a company as a sample, you know? Um, sometimes they're great though, but realize having, sorry, my nose is a little itchy. Having a 3D print is, a 3D printer doesn't mean you know how to do CAD. So, you know, oh, all, all 3D printers are cheap, so I'll buy a 3D printer. But if you don't know how to do the software, you know, it's only as good as the the 3D uh, rendering that you put in there and the STL file you put in the machine. So if your ability to CAD and do CAD and do designs and stuff, it's going to look pretty freaking lame. Now, if you're really good at that and you can rock out beautiful 3D prototypes, it's a simple thing, but most people can't. And it can take years to be able to do that and do that well. So don't think, oh, 3D printing's cheap, so I'll just 3D print up all my prototypes. They can look pretty freaking lame. It could look much better to do a 3D rendering which is a graphic product, which you have, a, a like we do it for our members. And it looks beautiful. It's like, oh, that's what it looks like. And it's pretty obvious how they think it's going to be made. The AC didn't turn on, so I'm going to go back over here. So um, turn it back off and back on here, try to get it going. Um, so I love the 3D printing. I think it's a great tool, but is that something that if you're a non-technical person, you should buy one and mess around with it? or send terrible 3D prints because you're not capable of making good ones? Not necessarily. So I think it can be a real detriment to certain people. I think it could be a giant asset to others. It really depends on your skills. 
and realize that that 3D virtual prototypes, which are beautiful, beautifully rendered and look beautiful, it's just a graphic representation of your product, could probably put a better foot forward um, or cannibalizing existing products. But 3D prints can be great. It really depends. That really annoying answer, it depends, right? Um, Derek said, have you ever had a company change the design so drastically that the designer asked to be on the patent? Ever had a company, uh, but didn't affect the royalty rate for the students? Curiosity question. Um, no, I mean, you can sign an agreement. If you sign in a licensing agreement that says that, that you own any improvements and for many ways you can do this, and they have to pay you the same royalty rate if they come up with an improvement on this, then you would be covered. So um, no, our, I mean, God, probably 95% of the products are students licensed. The company's changing something about it and they're not gonna change it and go, um, now, it's, now it's ours, we're not gonna pay you. I don't know if that's what you're implying. Um, but, and the designer asked to be on the patent. Well, technically, like for example, if you look at IBM, they have more patents than just about anyone, right? And the employee that works at the company, they're on the patent. They own nothing because their employment agreement says they don't. IBM owns it, but they're technically the inventor and they're on the patent. But um, it's very rare that we see um, companies putting, I've never once had an instance that I'm aware of where the company put, or the inventor, because when our students license products, we tell them you need to be in charge of filing the patent. So they may be giving you the money even to file a patent. And you're going to then give that money to your attorney and file a full utility and you'll reference the provisional. So that's a good way of just spending 60 bucks on a provisional, seeing if there's interest, and getting the company to pay for the patent. But that doesn't mean that they're filing it with their attorney. You want you to be managing that and you're working with your attorney and they are filing that, that utility patent. So you're in control of that. So, um, I can't think of a time where that came up, um, you know, but technically anybody that's been working on it, but the agreement, the licensing agreement would stipulate that they wouldn't own that. You know, they're renting your intellectual property or the know-how under the grant of license, but they're not, um, they, they don't own it. If they don't perform, if they don't sell so much every quarter, you're gonna get that back. So that's with the performance clauses, All right? So today our theme is have an idea, now what? So we're gonna be answering questions. We're gonna say, okay, that's the question, now what? Um, so let's go back to, um, yeah. So Derek, now what for you? Your now what is don't worry about it. It's, you, you said it's just a curiosity question, but to worry about who's gonna be on the patent or not, that's not something you need to worry about. You file your provisional patent like we teach all our, our our members to do and the general public to do, and then you see if there's interest, okay? Worry about those those little details afterwards. You will have covered yourself. Um, anything I share with you guys today should not be considered legal advice. Please consult an attorney if you're looking for legal advice. That's my disclaimer. Um, Bacon said, uh, hey, Andrew, I was doing uh, market research on an idea. I was feeling good about it. Started a prior art search and found my exact idea patented six months ago. I'm very sour about it. Uh, do I ditch the idea? So first off, um, it was patent six months ago. You probably didn't see it because you know it. It uh, patents go public. I don't let's see. It was patented. Oh, okay. It was actually it must have been an issued patent because when you file a full utility patent, 
it's 18 months before it goes public, even if it hasn't been issued yet. So if you saw that it was patented and it's issued, now sometimes inventors, they, um, sometimes this happens with their students, they'll like go, oh, I found my idea. Oh my God. And they got the most incredible protection and, and I'm freaking out. And I look at it and I'm like, no, that's not an issued patent. That's a pending patent. That's what they're trying to get. But the examiner hasn't gotten back their patent attorney. They haven't had the office actions yet, which is an argument between the patent examiner and the patent attorney about what they're going to get. That's their dream list. They're probably not going to get most of that. And they're like, oh, okay. But that's still relevant because it's somebody's applying for something that's similar. But in this case, it seems like uh, Bacon said they, they filed something and they were granted on it six months ago. I've had this happen with our students. And I would say 95% of the time, we just work around it. Now, here's why you can work around it. So you have an idea, what do you do next? Bacon, this is what you do next, okay? Most of the time when people file patents, they haven't thought it through. It doesn't make sense. And you might realize in some respect, what you were thinking of Bacon doesn't make sense. It might've made perfect sense, okay? But it might've not been a good idea. It might have not been done quite the right way. It might not have been have kept manufacturing in mind. It might not have been quite as marketable as doing a slightly different way. So you have this great opportunity here. If somebody patented this exact same thing six months ago, now they will probably never do anything with it. Most people have fall patents. They fall patents. They never do anything with it. They never reach out like our members do and actually reach out to try to license the product. They have ideas like somebody will buy it from me or I'll start a business and they never do. Most people file patents. They never do anything with them. Okay. Now, this person may have been, this is no barb on you, misguided as to the exact feature set and what really made sense. And maybe you were too. This is a great opportunity to take another look at the product, go, okay, put your feet up on the desk and go, what are the problems with this? How could this be more marketable? And so you could create a more marketable product. And maybe because their claims were really limited, that completely get around their claims and also make a better product. Now you're rocking it. And most of the time when I talk to our students, when I see these situations, I can guide them to do just that. It's, and it's easy because people file stuff that doesn't make sense. So don't never be under the perception like, oh, they got a patent. This is the, the subconscious perception on a lot of your parts and this is wrong, wrong, wrong. They got a patent, so that means this product is a good idea. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that you're paying for your 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 attorney's kids' college education, your patent attorneys, and the patent office said, yeah, we'll grant those claims. Nobody reviewed this to make sure if the product made sense, if it was manufacturable, manufacturable reasonable price, blah, 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 any of that, okay? Um, and also, if they filed it, but they're only protecting this one way, and there's five other ways that are literally just as good. If their way was sitting on a shelf and your other way was sitting on a shelf and yours is just as good as theirs, their patent's freaking useless, okay? So you have to now go back, and this is hard for inventors to do because the longer you've been thinking about this idea, the more in your mind it's become fixed that it's a good idea. And you have to now go back and go, I'm gonna reinvent my idea. I'm gonna make it even better. And I'm gonna, just going to go right around whatever this guy's protecting. I'm going to make it better. So now his patent isn't is useful, but mine is better. So if I went out and let's say his product actually get on the market, which most people that file patents, they never do. And that was in the market sitting on the shelf. And then my new version sitting here, here at least a good percentage of people will purchase my version. If you can come up with that, 
you're good. So people go, oh, somebody patented something or, oh, it's on the market. I'm like, that's not the time to stop. Now, I'm not saying 100% of the time you can fix this issue, but the vast majority of the time you can, okay? So hopefully that's helpful. So that's what you need to do next, okay, Bacon? Uh, that's his full his full handle is bacon bandit actually um i don't eat meat i haven't eaten meat i'm a pescatarian I eat tons of fish but if i started eating meat yet i haven't eaten meat in like 30 years um i would eat bacon bacon's good because <laughs> i do remember bacon it was a long time ago um but i i do eat a lot of fish though uh okay um let's see pz says hello kevin's giving me a hang loose hey kevin um Norman says, I have an idea, but it might require some product engineering and refinement. Okay. Um, what's the best way I can find someone to work with a reasonable rate? Well, who said you need to do that? Okay. So they're not buying your patent or your prototype. They're not buying that refinement. You need to sell the benefit of your idea. So I would say, now, I don't know your idea. So I can't say this is true all the time, of course. If you can make a sell sheet, a marketing piece, and you're fairly certain they can, they can make the product, and you're fairly certain what feature set you want, and you can look at similar products and go, well, they can do this part, and I'm just changing the hinge here. I know they can do that. Who says, you, if you need to refine it, the refinement you're doing is from a marketing perspective. Like, does this have the feature set that is the most marketable? You don't need to pay a freaking dime to do that. So decide what your feature set is. What are the benefits of this product? What are the features that allow the benefits to happen? And then address that, okay? And then do a marketing piece and sell that. Who says you need to like, you're, you're almost implying you need to hire an engineer to refine this now. And it's like, why? Like, if you're fairly certain they can do that, why would you pay all that money to do that? Your potential licensee, like almost every one of the products are students license, they're licensing it and the company is refining it, okay? So, but you need to have what's the feature set and what's the benefits. And then you're kind of looking at normal things and like other things in the marketplace, somewhat similar and going, well, I know they can pull this off. Now I can't, and I don't know how to do all the engineering, but I know they can. So why would you pay an engineer to figure all that out? Why don't you get interest from a company? Why don't you let them figure that out? You know, now I'm not saying you come up with an idea and you go, well, you know, my idea, I've used this example before is a robot. And this robot jumps up on your, your house and it shingles the house so you don't need to pay for workman's comp. You don't have to worry about somebody falling off the roof and guys sweating in the 112 degree sun and, 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 and uh, you know, guys not showing up for work. And, and that's my invention, a robot that shingles the roof of your house. And the company's like, well, that sounds great. Like, how is that made? And they're like, and I, I don't know, but it's a good idea. Do you know anything about robotics? And I don't know anything about robotics, but you should do that idea. Okay, that's idiocy. All right, don't do that. But if you can, if you like see a product that's kind of like somewhat in the same realm and you're like, well, it sells for 1995 and I just kind of put a hinge over here and it has this extra feature and I'm fairly certain they can do that. Why do you need to figure that all out? Show them the marketing piece, show them what the product would be. Okay, so hopefully that's helpful, Norman. Um, I gave a very passionate answer there. So your next step, Norman, is figure out the feature set and the benefits and decide a company that's in this space of the of your invention, would this be reasonable? Do you think they can figure it out? Who said you need to figure it out? If you're like, yeah, I think they can figure it out. I'm like 70% sure they can figure it out. I'm going to make a sell sheet. I'm going to make my list of companies. I'm going to reach out to them. And if they 
say, well, here's a few problems. Well, then you can fix those problems. But to pay an engineer and do all that stuff. Now, I'm not saying you would never want to do that. I'm not saying you would never want to do that. But now you got to decide, okay, wow, this project's a little bit more complex. Now I got these other two projects where I don't have to do that. So maybe I'll work on those instead. Or maybe not. Maybe I do want to do this engineering and all that because I'm going to come back as added value. But don't feel like you have to. Our students are not doing that all the freaking time and licensing products. But I'm not saying when I give answers or other co-founder gives answers, we're not saying these answers apply 100% of the time. We're saying they apply. It's a general mindset. Apply most of the time. Okay. So don't always go, well, you're wrong because I really need to do engineering on that. Maybe you do but I'm at least giving you some thoughts, okay? Um, well, so for those of you joining in late, if you could subscribe down below, click on the notifications button, give me a thumbs up. I'd really appreciate that for answering your questions for a full hour. Um, we've got about 22 minutes left. Let's see how many questions I got. Yeah, I'll try to get, I'll try to speed it up a little bit and give a little shorter answers so I can try to get to everybody. And what, I, what, what I'm gonna ask you to do now too, I see, we have um, 61 people on live, but we only got 39 thumbs up. Can you guys go ahead and let's get that up to 61? Like right now, 41. There we go. Let's get it up. Let's keep the thumbs up coming. Come on. Let's get it up. 42. Come on, guys. Come on. What is that? Okay, 44. Great. So we get 16, 17 people are holding out because I didn't answer your question. If I promise to answer all these questions that are currently up here before I leave, can I get the other 17 here? All right. Okay, let's get those coming in, all right? And I know who you are, so I want to answer your question. Just kidding. I don't, actually. But, if, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, and if you're, like, cooking or something, listen to me. Pick up your phone. Give me that thumbs up. Please, please, please. All right, let's go, let's go next here. Um, okay. Uh, I want to kind of get to some folks that I haven't got to, so I make sure to get to one from everybody here. Uh, Will, Will of the Maker is their handle. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for everything uh, you do. I'm finalizing everything before sending my idea out. A lot of the companies are European-based. Do I need to approach PPA different for protection in the EU? No, you can file a U.S. provisional just like anything else. Europe, they don't really have that so much. So you can file a U.S. provisional. And all of Europe, Europe, European companies are part of what's called the PCT Patent Cooperation Treaty. So I'm not going to get the details at it, of it, but in a roundabout way, you can later file a PCT and file in those countries. Um, I would really encourage you. That's great if a lot of your companies are European. If you're licensing and you're only reaching out to countries in your home country and your home country is other than the U.S., you're doing it wrong. U.S. and Canada are more open than anybody in the world. It could be European companies that are big in the U.S. It could be American companies, Canadian companies, Asian companies. But you should always reach out to the vast majority of your potential licensees are going to be companies in the United States and Canada. And they could be companies, they could be European companies where they sell 80% or let's say half, half of their product in the U.S. and half in Europe, right? So that's great. You're reaching out to European companies. Go ahead and do that. But look for U.S. companies as well. Maybe you have a particular reason. Maybe this product is something that people typically buy in Europe and don't buy in the United States. Okay, I get that. Pretty rare. But you should definitely reach out to U.S. companies as well and never limit yourself to European or companies in countries other than you add them, but you do not limit yourself there. Unless it's just something like the sells in Japan and 
they only buy it in Japan or something like that. Okay. But um, so with regards to intellectual property, you can just file a U.S. provisional patent. That's not legal advice. Please consult your attorney for legal advice. And then you can legally say patent pending and just reach out to those companies and go from there. Okay. Um, uh, SC says, how important is the is a patent in the pet industry? Um, I would just say moderate. I wouldn't say they're obsessed like the um, the medical device people, and they're not like just like we don't care that much like the housewares industry. Um, I would say they're middle of the road. Some of them care about it, some of them don't, and then you're good. Um, and you can get the software on our site, Smart IP Software, for 99 bucks, and the patent office fee now for filing a provisional in the U.S. Um, Miss V says, "What do you say?" When, oh good, I got we got up to 55. I still want nine more thumbs up, guys, from those of you that didn't give me a thumbs up. Please, I promise I'll answer your question. Still at 55. I'm just gonna sit here and pause. We get at least one more. Come on. I'm not gonna until I get one more thumbs up from somebody that hasn't. Okay, I'm not gonna do that. Andrew, it's like guys, Andrew's threatening me now. It's so uncool, Andrew. Um, yes, it is. I'm just kidding though. Um, Miss V says, what do you say when a potential licensee asks? why your product has a patent pending status are there some products that they feel do not require a ppa um yeah some companies in the novelty business are like we don't bother with ppas or provisional patents so that might be a case some idiot companies might say oh you have to have an issued patent guys if a company says that they're freaking archaic that's ridiculous patent pending is perfectly fine um, any company that exists, you have an issue patent. you sit around waiting for a patent, like one to three years for a patent issue, and then try to license it. Product might not even make sense anymore. That's ridiculous. Companies launch products all the time with patent pending status and you should as well. So, um, but some companies, they don't care, you know, but it's only $60. Why wouldn't you file it? So, but you're right. There are some companies they are like, we don't care. You know, people are shocked by that, but you know, think about it guys. Is, is every product that you guys buy in the world, um, do they all have patents? No. If you look at a typical company, 100% of their products are patented? Hell no. You know, maybe some companies it's like 5%, some it's none, some it's half of them. You know, that would be extreme. Um, so don't think that every product that is out in the marketplace is a patent. There's this sickness inventors have to think that there's a connection between a patent and success. Now, do some companies care? And that's why we all file provisional patents in order to do the deal. Yeah. And some companies won't, you know, and some companies really care a lot. Yeah. And do patents give us some, some form of at least perceived protection? Yes, of course they do. So we're not saying don't do it. We're selling follow provisional, see what the interest level is. But if every time you get a little idea and you run out and give 10,000 to a patent attorney and you get this false sense of moving forward by throwing money to patent attorney is truly a false sense of accomplishment. It truly is. Licensing a product, having royalties come in is an accomplishment. Like I said, anybody can get a patent. It's not a validation that your idea is good or it makes sense and that quite often the patent is weak. A lot of attorneys are aware of what I said earlier and they'll throw a few weak claims in there knowing that they'll get the, the, the patent for the, the inventor. Now, a good attorney will go look at it and go, ooh, this is gonna be hard to get any solid claims, but there's plenty of them that are out there. They'll just, they're called patent mills. They'll just file whatever. And as long as the inventor, the inventor is ignorant to a strong claim versus a weak claim, and they just go, the patent attorney got me a patent. I've talked to inventors where they're like, I was like, so you have a design or utility patent? Is it provisional? And they're like, I don't know. 
I'm like, how much do you spend? Ten thousand dollars. I'm like, you don't know what kind of pan you have, you know. But they're out there, so it's very easy to take advantage of some inventors. So don't let that happen to you, okay? If you're new, that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, just get educated before you open your wallet, you know. Uh, Andrew King, I like the name Andrew. Um, says hi, Andrew. Any advice for contacting big companies? I'm an industry. I'm an industry where there are multiple parent companies where they each own three plus brands. Yeah, that's getting more and more common these days. I'm not a big fan of that, but uh, there are only seven companies not owned. I don't know what he's mean by that, but okay. So, like, if you look at a, a chart for the the tool industry. You think you have all these companies, but there are really eight companies that, that own like 12 companies over here, 15 companies over here. And you think you're reaching out to a lot of different companies, but they own a lot of different brands. So let's see what your question was. Any advice for contacting big companies in an industry where the pair companies, uh, you know, you could reach out to them all. So if you get a marketing manager for any of their, their child companies or underling companies, whatever you want to call them, um, that's fine. It, reach out to them all. That's my advice. Don't overthink it. Okay. And, and they might all go to the same place. They might get different, you know, they might, there might be a parent company and they kind of let this, uh, child company, a company that's under them work autonomously and they don't have to check in with the big, the parent company. Other times they check in with them for everything. You have no freaking idea. So if you notice a big company owns three smaller companies and you think your product is right for any of those three smaller companies, let's call them all, you know, LinkedIn message them all, email them all, the marketing managers, see whatever sticks to the wall. Perfectly fine. That would be my advice. So that's your next step. So today we're like, have an idea. What's your next step? Andrew, that's your next step. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if it's your next step, but that's your next step in that area. You know, I don't know what else you've gotten done, of course. Um, uh, DWC says, uh, his name's Dave, actually, but his real name. Uh, Hi, Andrew. A certain DRTV company seems to be pitching strategic equity instead of licensing. Do you see this is a red flag? Uh, I don't know what the hell strategic equity means, but if they're asking you for money, it's a giant red flag. And they're probably not a DRTV company. There, there are some DRTV companies that fall into this almost invention promotion company area um, where they will um, say, you know, oh, we want to run an ad and we want, we're going to need uh, $80,000 from you to run an ad. You know, we're going to put it on TV here and there. So if a DRTV company is asking money from you, that is a massive red flag. Run screaming and Google the name of that company and see if there's complaints. I don't know what you mean by strategic equity. It sounds like some sort of bullshit term. Um, so, uh, you know, if you want to define what they're what they said the deal was, I would ask them what that means. Hold on to your wallet and just say, no, I'm looking to license this to you. You guys with the money. You would be doing the money and the marketing. And I'm not looking to put money into this. Um, that just sounds like an invention promotion company. There are DRTV companies that kind of pretend to be a DRTV companies, and they're really just invention promotion companies trying to get money out of you. That's not a true company, right? Like a company that, for example, is in selling in Walmart and Target and Lowe's, like why would they ever ask for money from you? That's not their business model. Their business model is to sell new products and then if you license a product to them, you're going to, going to pay you a small royalty. When they're asking you for money, giant red flag. I can't think of a scenario in which that would make sense. Um, 
Uh, Norman Ho said, how do you gauge if there is actual buying interest for a new idea? I want to gauge it if people actually buy what I'm thinking about. What would you suggest, Kickstarter or something else? I would absolutely 100% not suggest Kickstarter. Um, it's it, it, There's so many stories of people going on Kickstarter. And if the product is successful, most people just fall flat on their face on there. Um, but the product is successful, somebody's knocking you off on on Amazon before you're even done with your campaign. Hugely risky. I would privately show your product for license to potential licensees and receive a royalty for your idea. And these are large companies that are in major retailers, way better than Kickstarter. Kickstarter is a freaking mess. Um, everybody and their grandmother's on there. And typically people will need to pay 25 cents on the dollar to do any sort of promotion. So if you want to raise $100,000, you need to spend 25,000. Well, that's not grassroots anymore. And then quite often it can fail. So it's very expensive. It's not cheap. And if you just throw a video up there that you did yourself, it's just a, in a sea of other people trying to raise money. Also, if you're successful, as most people are not, because um, they don't have a proper social media network and they pay tons of money to get one then with people that are going to help you promote on Kickstarter, um, then you get that order. Now you got to get it made in Asia or somewhere. That's a freaking nightmare. And then use all your money if it's even enough money to do that, and then you deliver your orders, and then you're like, okay, so I delivered 500 orders, 2,000 orders, and now you're back to square one. And retailers aren't impressed that you sold 2,000 units on a Kickstarter. They could care less. They want a license from a big company that has you know, five, 10 products in their store or more already because they know they're going to deliver on time, no quality control issues, no cash flow issues. So doing Kickstarter, you're like, you do all that work, and you're back to square one. So you don't need to prove the product's going to sell. Let a marketing manager at a big company look at it and use their gut instinct and go, oh, yeah, I could see that. Our customers are interested. Let them use their gut instinct and let them invest in it. Okay? So that's the way licensing works. Way better than Kickstarter. I do not recommend Kickstarter. No, 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 no. Um, uh, PZ, I find contacting companies that are legit is very difficult. I don't know what you mean by that. Um, the list of companies supposedly open to inventors have terms that are in so many words to say um, they will own the invention um, help. Uh, so PZ, no, that's not, you know, what the mistake you're making is you're, you're approaching companies that have a portal on their website. And most of them don't have terms that say we own your idea or something like that. But if they do, do not submit to them. You need to reach out to companies directly using LinkedIn, using email, using the phone. And they're in major retailers where you want to be. Don't be an amateur. Don't submit through their portal on their website. And But to say that all these companies have terms that say they own your idea is not true. But I also think it'll go all of nowhere if you only submit to companies that have a portal on their website. Inventors are comfortable with that. They're timid about reaching out on LinkedIn, reaching out on email, reaching out on your phone. That's what our students do. When we interviewed Chad today with his coach, Keanu, he wasn't reaching out to companies with portals. He was reaching out directly on LinkedIn and using other methods. And he just licensed a product. He licensed a fire starter for when you're, you're camping to a company that makes that type of product, which is really cool. Um, so don't be put off by that. When people are new, they'll see one negative thing and then they'll um, project that on everything else. And when you know we've been licensing for 23 years and i tell you that's not the norm it isn't can you find companies that on their submission page yeah you know i'll tell you one that that just makes yeah just hate and i'll never buy one of their products um simple human a company that does where you wave your hand over it and the garbage can opens up their terms on their website basically said we own your idea if you send it to us i'm like 
why would anybody send? Like, why do you even have that up there? It's ridiculous. And I could name some other companies too, but literally because that pissed me off so much, when I go to the store and I was looking for garbage cans not that long ago, I will never buy a simple human product. Personally, for me, I would never buy it because that's just a shitty attitude, you know? So, but okay, so, oh, okay, that's a crappy company, but that's not most companies out there. You know, we've never had one of our students that got knocked off by a company that they presented to in 23 years. It'll happen one day, but it hasn't happened yet. Now, our students are being very professional in the way they conduct themselves. I've talked to other inventors. They tell me their story. Now, I look at what they're sending and how they conduct themselves. I'm like, okay, well, this is not very professional. And that doesn't give a company a right to knock you off. But I've talked to inventors where it's happened. But if you conduct yourself professionally, what I'm saying is that is the best form of protection. And that's why our students have never gotten knocked off that I'm aware of with a potential license they've presented to. But I think when people are new and they're, oh, there's a submission form and this company and you found maybe one other and it says they're gonna own your idea or we're gonna pay you a maximum of $5,000 but I never signed any of those. And now you're like projecting on every other company and the entire experience, it's, it's, it's misdirected, it's, it's not true. It's true for those two companies, but your sample size of experience is so small, it's, it's not true, okay? Um, but people will then make all sorts of assumptions, you know, um, and so it, just me answering that question should be tremendously helpful for you. Um, so we got we got like 72 people on. So now we got a, a nine person differential in thumbs up. I have nine of you that haven't given me a thumbs up. So if you could give me a thumbs up, that would be great because I'm going to continue to answer some questions here. Um, Nama says, and I'm going to skip over people we've answered. I'm going to do a speed round now. Okay, we're going to speed round. If you guys can give me the seven. Okay, we have 64 now. So for the seven more that haven't given me a thumbs up, if you give me a thumbs up. Um, and subscribe down below, please. Uh, Richard's uh, Nama says, what if you have an idea but no background in the field needing to bring the idea to fruition? Like I'm a nurse, but I have an idea for product in engineering. So if you can look at similar products and go, look, I'm not an engineer, this is a complicated product, but hey, there's a hinge on the side and I don't understand how this full product works, but I can tell them put a hinge here and that's gonna offer this benefit, that's okay. You can do that, okay? Now, if it requires tons of engineering, you're like, I have no freaking idea, I'm just making this stuff up. I have no idea if they can do it. And by looking at existing products, I can't make the assumption that I'm fairly certain they can do it. Then you might not wanna work on that product, and you're a nurse, and you might want to work on medical stuff. But quite often, I have all the time we have students and members that work on products that's not their field of expertise. They're not a nurse, but they're working on a medical product. And they're not an engineer, but they're working on a technical product, but their part of it isn't that technical. And they know they have this improvement on this staple gun or whatever. Okay, like you're a nurse, but you got a staple gun. And you, you're going to, I'm just making stuff up, guys. And you're going to make the trigger a little different for safety issues. And you're like, I'm not an engineer, but I do it like this. And I make this mechanism slide down. You're like, that's good. And that's good enough. So you have to ask yourself those questions. So we're going to do a speed round here. Thank you, everybody. Oh, now we got actually more thumbs up than we have even people attending. So that's cool. We got 74 thumbs up. Um, Richard says, from start to finish, what would an estimate price be to take to take Stevens, I'm stuck on you, sweet dart, including the full invent right course. I heard an attorney's fees are brutal. Well, you don't have any attorney's fees when you're an invent right student. When you're an invent right student, you we give you the smart IP software and it's included with the membership, and then you file a provisional patent for 
So, you know, I'd say, and then when you're a student of ours, um, you know, I think when you're a student, when you're a paying student, you can get a sell sheet and a virtual prototype for $149 if you're an active coaching student. So that's very affordable. Of course, you got to pay for the, to become an active student getting the, the, the six months of coaching. Um, so you can do this very affordably, you know, very, very affordably, Richard. Okay, so speed round. I'm working on a patent. This is Umesh. Um, documentation and planning to create a startup around it. Okay, I can't help you there. We don't do startups, Umesh. We do licensing. So you don't have to do a startup. You're going to license this to a big company. Don't need to raise funds. Don't need employees. But anyway, I'll, let me see what the rest of your question is. But creating a prototype is a very big challenge. How can I tackle this challenge. If you have a problem creating a prototype, Umesh, you shouldn't be starting a business. Raising money and manufacturing and marketing, you're probably going to need at least half a million dollars just to barely get started. And if you're having a hard time making a prototype, how are you going to run a business? Now, okay, fair enough. I'm being too critical there. You're just struggling. You need to find a mentor for venturing a product, for man for starting a business, hiring employees, raising half a million, million, two million dollars. But realize this, Retailers don't want to talk to you. You're a one product company. They don't like one product companies. That's why when you license to a big company, they have a manufacturer's rep that's constantly calling on the buyer and they can not only get products in stores, but they can keep them there because they have a reputation. You have no reputation. So you need to think about, do I really want to venture this product and sell it myself or do I want to license it? Nothing wrong with that. If you want to start a business, get a mentor, which is not us, that can show you how to how to venture a product and and raise funds and start a business and do all that crap you don't need to do when you license. Okay. So find somebody that that does that that's real. Not these, not get rich quick people, not people that are trying to charge you an arm and a leg. You know, real, somebody real, real mentor that can give you the real deal and go, here's the pain you're in for. And then you're like, and you decide then, am I up for it or am I not? So that's your next step. Today we're talking about next steps. That's your next step. Um, I'm going to skip over some people that I've already answered questions with. Hi, Andrew. Just stopping by to say hi. I'm still thinking of ideas. Just been rough. No success. Yes, this will, will, year will be different. So I love it. Uh, Dronus is kind of trying to dream up new products. Um, best way to do that is get on Google Images and just study a micro category. So if it's barbecue spatulas, kitchen cutting boards, whatever, type that in. You see all the pictures. You know, or type it into Amazon, type it into Google Images and study the micro category. So it's a kitchen cutting board. No, every freaking kitchen cutting board, no invention and an invention will come to you. OK, so Dronus, keep doing that. You'll you'll do great. Davison, Minnesota. Uh, you wrote Minnesota, USA. OK, that's no, no kidding. Uh, that's your handle, though. So um, if I wanted to charge change the milk jug, are there companies are these companies too big? Do I talk to companies or do I have to find the general manufacturing of milk jugs? Thank you so much. Brutal, brutal, brutal industry. Our other co-founder, we've guided our members to do it. But if you want to change a milk jug, that's a packaging product. They sell bazillions of milk jugs, literally bazillions. Um, that's really, really hard. It comes off the line super fast. You know, you make a little change because of the massive volume there. If you increase the cost of the package half a cent, that might be too much. OK, so brutal, brutal, brutal to work in packaging. Um, Davis, if you have a product that's not in the packaging industry, I'd suggest working on that to learn how to license, then do a packaging product. Now, huge, incredible amount of money you can earn there, but not a great first project. I would say maybe a decent second project after you've got your feet wet. But we have students where we say, look, packaging is a very tough industry. 
And they're like, I'm up for it. I know, I know, I know. We can help and we can help you with it. I would advise you working on a simple project, make that your second project, and you might not work on it at all. But if you can pull it off, which is very difficult, we've you know, helped people pull off packaging products, um, it can be a lot of money. But lower chance of figuring it out and pulling it off, but a lot of money, but probably not a great first project. Probably not a great first project. Um, uh, Deidre, I have a PPA in place and I'm on, I'm, and I'm on the right track. Thank you, Andrew. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, let's see. I'm going to put my glasses on cause my, I'm getting tired. My eyes are getting blurry here. Um, oh my goodness. We got so many questions here. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay a little bit longer and answer some of your questions here, especially for people I hadn't gotten to. Um, Richard says, I'm seeing a push to keep new products made in the USA arena. Is that changing in the direction of licensing? I think it will, but it's happening very slow. When you license to a company, they're going to do whatever they currently do. If they manufacture 100% of their product in Asia, you can't be saying, you got to make this in the USA and you, know, and you can't do that. You know, now if some like we had this uh, one bridge in the gap company come on with our students and they do um, uh, like wood products and cutting boards and different things like that. They manufacture 100 percent of their product in the USA. Really, really cool company. They're going to do whatever they do now. And yes, I do see that changing. But it's going to take a long time. So I'm not seeing like this massive push and it's happening overnight where tons of manufacturing is coming back to the U.S., Hell no, that's not happening overnight. You're going to see manufacturing go to other countries, Vietnam, Laos, other countries. They can only handle so much. Um, so you're going to see some changes, but insisting a company does something, they're going to do whatever they do now. Um, and you have the right to, to, to just look for companies manufacturing the U.S., but that's going to be tough. Um, but it is changing, but it's very, very slow. Um, Shelby, if you're calling a bunch of companies for, say, one idea, what happens if you reach out to the wrong person and they take your idea? How do you know who to speak to? So we guide people on how to, how to, you should watch more YouTube videos about who to reach out to. We coach and mentor our students to do that. Um, like I said, if you're doing it right, you have a very low chance of somebody taking your idea. We file a provisional patent. You're going to put patent pending on the sales sheet. You're going to conduct yourself professionally. Conducting yourself professionally is more important protection than the patent itself. But because the way that you do it and you're creating a paper trail and all this, we haven't had a single one of our students that I'm aware of get knocked off in 23 years when they did everything right. So if you do everything right, now, Shelby, if you don't show anybody your product, this is what most inventors do. You just rip yourself off. If you don't show any of your product, you rip yourself off. That's way more common than an inventor actually getting ripped off by a company. Companies don't want that liability. They have a board of directors. These are big companies you're licensed to. They have liability. You're creating this paper trail. You file the provisional patent. Why do they want that liability? If a company is going to rip you off, I think it's much more likely to be a small company than a big company. You know, I actually have a student of ours that has a, a smaller company. He's kind of giving a hard time. And I'm, I'm kind of like looking at the company. I'm like, ah, oh, this makes sense. Smaller company. It's more likely to happen than with the bigger company. They don't want the liability. So you got to get past that. I can't give you 100% assurance. Nobody will rip you off. Nobody can. And if you want that, get out. You shouldn't be in business and you definitely shouldn't be in licensing. But I want to tell you, it's not a common thing. You know, so you got to get over it. Um, but hopefully that's helpful. Uh, let's see. Natty said, hi, Andrew. How, I have an idea. How can I file a PPA in the USA? So you can go to invent. You can just Google. Um, 
You can go to inventright.com and you can look for our smart IP software. Get that software. It's only 99 bucks and you can file one for $60. $60 is the patent office filing fee. Our software just helps you write it. Then it gives you instructions on how to file at the patent office. So you can do that. That's a very simple way to get started. But if you don't know how to license, learn how to license first. The PPA doesn't do you any good if you don't know how to reach out to companies. Um, Bobby says, well, they did file and I got another blank. They're silly. I think that people might need, I don't know what that. Okay. I don't see Bobby's being silly. I don't know where we're going with that. Chad, I haven't heard from Chad yet. Uh, is the typical next step to get a patent after you have a PPA and secured a licensing deal? Yes, if the company cares. A lot of our students are like, hey, I did a PPA. Do you want to do patents? Because like, we don't care about patents. You can file one if you want. And if they can make the grant of license not dependent on the intellectual property and patent, they will still need to pay you royalties. So if it's a smaller company, it's a smaller deal, you might decide not to get a patent. They might give you the money to get a patent. So yes, if if you want to file a patent or the company wants you to file it, yes, once you get as part of the licensing deal, you can go ahead and file a patent, but you don't have to. If the grant of license is not dependent on the patent, they will be obligated to pay you regardless of a patent. People don't have that. They don't make that connection. Even some patent attorneys, but they don't license anything, will tell you that that's not true and they're full of it. Um, we, have, we have contracts or students have signed that say otherwise. Um, uh, let's see. Yes, Margie's a regular and past student. Hey, Andrew, I missed a couple of weeks here. Is the Q&A now at 7.30 Eastern? Yes, it is. is it four? Let's see, I feel like a TV show. 7.30 Eastern, I guess that's uh, 6.30 Central, 5.30 Mountain, and 4.30 Pacific. Yeah, we, we moved it uh, back an hour. Uh, we, we had some technical issues, and I noticed more people were attending because it was later. I think this is a better time. So. Um, Let's see. Bobby says he's drunk. Okay, Bobby, good for you. Please don't be drunk when you're trying to license a product, but now's okay, I guess. I'm not judging. Um, uh, revamp the future is their handle. My father has a patent that is now publicly available. Is it a good idea to still commercialize it? Sure. You know, his patent has been issued and you can see it. I mean, what was the point of getting a patent to begin with? You know, right? You, if you, why would you get a patent if you don't plan on commercializing? So absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, I, okay. All right. Uh, you, you asked that earlier. You said I answered it. John, who I had uh, gotten a question. Well, I wanted a bowl of cereal, so I paid a team of five researchers ten thousand dollars to make me a bowl. <laughs> That's funny, John. I, I like that. Probably um, five researchers. Okay. I don't know if you're talking about an invention promotion company or something. Um, Artie said, "Hey, how do I figure out what type of engineer to hire?" to design my invention. Also, I was thinking of hiring someone at Fiverr to design. Like I said earlier, Artie, you probably don't need an engineer to design your invention. You can probably just show the benefit of your product in a marketing piece and license it and let the company figure out the details, but it really depends most of the time. Um, okay, let's see what else we got here. It's jumping up too quick. Uh, JJF, I don't know about Canada. A lot of people are like, I'm in Canada. What do I do? Most of our Canadian students and students around the world you just file a U.S. provisional patent. Oh, should I do a patent in Canada? Just file a U.S. provisional patent, okay? And that's not legal advice. Please consult your attorney if you need legal advice. But the U.S. is part of the PCT. 
the U.S. has something called a provisional patent, and it, it preserves, in a roundabout way, your rights in other countries, but more than likely, you're going to be licensing a U.S. company or companies doing business in the U.S. anyway, so just file a U.S. provisional patent application. Oh, this is cool. Christopher said, I follow the InventRight 10 steps, have profited several times and manufactured profitable products, developing an idea at this moment. That's great, Christopher. Great. Um, Bill said, those companies and what should be the first part of the conversation? Um, so there's no conversation, Bill, when you're reaching out to potential licensees. There is a sell sheet. Or video. So when you're reaching out to companies, I don't know if this directly answers your question, but I'm doing the best I can. Um, you're you're not having a conversation. They don't have time to hear some inventor drone on, right? They you're showing them a one-page PDF marketing piece of your product. So they look at it. It's not for them. It's for their customer. And they go, oh yeah, if our customer that buys kitchen gadgets or buys automotive aftermarket products or whatever it is saw this, they would want it. So you're showing them the marketing that they would do, and that's a video and or a sell sheet. So I don't know if that answers your question. Um, does your company have an option to see new ideas? Um, so what we do is we guide people to reach out to potential licensees, big companies, and you're going to rent. That's what licensing is, your idea to a big company. So yeah, of course, you're, if you had a coach, your coach is going to look at your product, help you evaluate it, put your best foot forward with the marketing piece, not reach out like most inventors do. Well, most inventors don't reach out to anybody. Reach out to two or three companies, but you're reaching out to 20 or 30. Um, I had a chat on with his coach Keanu. He's reaching out to a hundred, you know, um, now, you know, I don't think you need to do that, but 20 or 30 is good. Almost no inventors do that. Our students do. That's why our students are licensing stuff all the time. You can go to our website and you can see, um, this page that just has a bunch of our students products that are currently on the market, like this minute, and you can buy them on the market. And that's just a few of them. So, you know, we put our money where our mouth is. It's, it's real. It's not make believe. Um, let's see. KJ, I reached out to companies who sent me to the online email. Yeah, you know, um, sometimes when they see you're not, you know, oh, go to our portal, this or that. It was the way you said it. Now, if everybody, if you contact five people in the company, they're like, oh, you got to submit on our portal. Okay, maybe that's what you have to do. Um, but that's not true with most companies. You can get in the back door, you can reach a marketing manager, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll take a look at it. You know, you can get around that front gate quite often. Let's see if I can find somebody else. I didn't answer. Inok, um, I have an idea that made almost that that get made as soon as soon as I think of them. I don't have the time. Is there a place for me in this area? In the past, I sent an idea to Rubbermaid, but they wanted a patent. Rubbermaid will never license from you. Rubbermaid has a, a policy that say you know how to issue patent. That's archaic, and they're too damn big. Um, but very few companies that's the case. That's only the mega, mega corporations. You have very big companies that are in major retailers, but they're not quite as big as Rubbermaid that you can license to. So, um, Inok, you have to learn how to license. You need to learn these things. You need to watch your show. You need to be willing to learn. You can't just have ideas. The idea is 5 10% at most. All this boring stuff with reaching out to companies, that's 90% of it. Once you accept that, you can license. If you don't accept that, you will never license. And if you go, well, I have great ideas, I'll get a company to, to try to license it for me, you'll just end up with all these invention promotion companies. They'll, they'll take 10 or 12 grand from you, they'll pretend to work on it, and a year later, you got nothing to show for it. I've literally never met an inventor that had an invention promotion company license a product for them 
we scare people away because we're like, you got to do work. We'll help you for everything. Everything that is going to say, we'll have an answer. We're going to guide you what to do. But if you're not willing to do work, it's 1,000th the work of starting a business. We're not interested in helping you. You know, so in a, it's, and you might not be at that place right now. Yeah, and you have little experiences like, oh, Rubbermaid said I needed a patent. Well, so what? You're not gonna, I'm telling you, you're not going to license to Rubbermaid. Very few companies that I would say that about, but I'm going to say that about them. That's my opinion based on 23 years of experience. Our students keep saying, I want to reach out to Rubbermaid and 3M. It's like, go for a slightly smaller company. But people will just go with the ones right in front of their face. And you research it, Enoch, and I bet you would have 20 or 30 companies at least if I showed you how to do it right. You need a good marketing piece then. That's what you send. So you don't need to be a sales schmuck. Marketing piece is going to do the marketing for you. Not a website or all that crap. That's too much work. You know, but anyway, Enoch, if you come to the conclusion that I'm willing to do the work, we can help. If you're like, I just want to have ideas. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. If you have two to six hours a week, you have enough time to do this. If you say, I don't have two hours a week, don't do it. Maybe a month from now, maybe a year from now, you're like, oh, I could do two hours a week. I'm watching these invent right yahoos for a while. I finally decided I'm ready to do the work because when you license, you're dumping all that work off in that big company. But you need to do the, work, do the deal in order to dump it off on them, and then it's all on them. But if you're not willing to do any work, you just want to have an idea, that doesn't work. Nobody can do that. That will not work. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't comment on invention promotion companies, Deidre. Um, oh, thank you, Paul. Such a fundamental channel with priceless knowledge that I need. Thank you. And if you guys appreciated me rambling for an hour, giving you answers, please give me a thumbs up down below, subscribe down below, and um, and click the notification button. That's a lot of stuff, but it takes you like click, 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 three clicks. Um, uh, <laughs> what is the average age here? You know, inventors are all different ages from, from mid-20s to 80. Men, women, people with an engineering background, people with none people with a business background, people with none. People try to stereotype who inventors are. It's it's really just creative people and it's all over the map. Inventors will have common concerns, like I'm worried about getting ripped off, I'm worried about this or that, when they don't understand the licensing process. That is uh, common in all areas, but um, it's very diverse. And and Steve and I feel like we represent inventors very well. And, and you know, we don't, when people are like, oh, they're just a bunch of people with wearing tinfoil hats or something. No, that's not the case. We get a few of those. We don't let them become invent rights students. Um, but there are a few of those. And they make you guys look bad. But most inventors are really cool, very level-headed. Just don't understand the process. That's all. Mike Diaz says, uh, licensing is the way to go. Uh, <laughs> Mike said, also, can you switch the live Q&A to 8 p.m. Eastern Time Wheel of Fortune? You know, I, that's interesting. Could we do some sort of like something to make this like even more fun where it's like a game show, but I'm doing Q&A. If you guys have any anything to say there after I end it, I forget how long it takes to go up or if it's immediate, but put in the comments in the after I end this, if you or before whenever. If you guys have any ideas like where we could do this Q&A, but it'd be like a really fun, engaging way of doing it. Um, if you have any ideas, let me know. Cody says, do people uh, abuse the provisional patents? It's like applying for patents they don't know, they know they won't get. That's not abusing. 
That's just leveraging what the patent office is giving you. And yeah, you can do that, Cody. You could file a provisional patent on something you know you're not going to get as good solid patent on, and you can legally say patent pending. And it gives you that perceived protection. So when you're approaching companies, you put patent pending on there. That's not abusing the patent system. That's working it. That's great. I love that. I love that question. That's great. Um, so Willetta said, what are the 10 steps? So the, the 10 steps are what InventRight is based on. If you want to get our book, One Simple Idea by Stephen Key, that's my business partner. If you type in One Simple Idea into uh, Amazon, you can see that. And we teach our 10 steps in there. We teach our students our 10 steps. When we're talking about this, everything's based on the 10 steps, even though I'm not referring to each step at every question, of course. Um, uh, Chill said, Chill with AJ, y'all need a poor man's membership. We do have a $29 a month. Um, it's a non-coaching membership access to the 10 steps on our website. So hopefully check that out, Chill, and see if that works for you. Um, yeah, Inox said, two to six hours a week. I can do that. Great. I love your attitude, Inox. That's great. Um, you can definitely do it. Um, I love that. All right, guys. Um, yeah, last one, Lofton said, hi, Andrew, would you approach an invention idea that uses part of an existing product to an existing? That's very, very common. Without getting into the, your particular product, I can't say specifically, but it's extremely common. People are like, oh, you know, my product uses Velcro. I'm like, so what? So they'll buy it and they'll put Velcro on there, which is a generic hook and loop fastener. That's, you know, there's a generic there too. Because uh, So yeah, that's very doable guys you know to people have this idea like my idea needs to be there's nothing like it and it's so different than everything else quite often slight variations of existing products are very very licensable jeremy said i didn't know about the 30 dollars a month training yeah check that out check that out definitely all right i want to and i want to remind you guys to check out uh the free resources if you go to inventright.com if you're on the uh, your computer you'll just see it as a big blue box in the upper right hand corner on the mobile i don't know where it shows but but if you click on the menu, you'll find it. And um, sign up for our free, free resources if you're not. We've got a ton of free resources. Check that out. And if you're interested in coaching, click on the Contact Us page. Talk to Dana and Sylvia. They're fantastic. They're very friendly. Nobody will ever hard sell you. And just like, I want to get an idea of how is InventRight helping? And you might tell them, look, I'm not ready yet, but I want to get an idea. Andrew told me to book a call just so I explain. And they'll, they'll be really chill, and they'll just um, explain it to you. All right. See you guys. Take care. Keep inventing. We'll catch up with you guys next time. See you. Bye.